Namaste. This is Farhan Azrali, the producer of Drishti Point Yoga Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Drishti Point has been recording podcasts since 2006, and we have over 300 podcasts that we are currently uploading to this site and others. Please be sure to visit our website, drishtipoint.ca, for the top 100 podcasts. We hope this podcast will nourish your mind and open your heart. Namaste. I'm Sherry Kajawara. And I'm John Buchanan. And we teach at Three Jewels Vancouver, located at 9 East Broadway. And we're here today to talk about the art of debate as taught in Tibetan Buddhism. Now, John is our giku, or debate (laughs) master, at Three Jewels. And when we hear the word debate, it conjures up images of staged high school arguments where the goal is often to beat the opponent by ensuring that they're wrong and you're right. Or, you know, the famous political debates where often the goal seems to be more about discrediting the opponent and puffing up one's own reputation. But debate as an ancient art is all about logical reasoning. And classically, it was a skill used to resolve disputes. So, John, how is the art of debate different from what we think of conventionally as debate? Yeah, that's a good question, because, um, yeah, like you said, uh, debate instantly. Well, I always just see, like, the president <laughs> <laughs> on television, right? Um, but in the monasteries, and classically, uh, they would actually decide on um, what sort of rules they would follow in the country based on a, a debate, which, um, in a very big way, and they used the debate techniques as a way of discussing the topics of the day that they study in the monastery. So they debated a lot. And it's a way of studying that gets to the truth of something, mainly by negating all the wrong ideas, which is um, a very interesting way to land on the truth. And there's a certain formula called a syllogism, or a three-part statement, and the method follows some basic ground rules that allows the participants to eventually land on the truth versus being told the truth, which Mm -hmm. is much different, right? And um, it's a whole topic of study in the monasteries. They spend a lot of time on the study of logic. And the main hero of logic in the monastery is um, Master Dharmakirti, who lived around 650 AD, and he wrote the famous commentary on valid perception, or, or Pramanavartika, or Tseme Namdral, that was uh, Pramanavartika is Sanskrit and Tseme Namdral is uh, Tibetan, which is the main text used to study logic and debate in the monastery. So really it's more about unearthing the truth as opposed to convincing someone of the truth? Yeah, I think that's a yeah. nice way of putting it. Yeah. So they say that one good session of debate practice is more effective than hours of book study. And as you said, it's an automatic part of the monastic curriculum. And we've been encouraging debate practice at Three Jewels Vancouver as a way for students to master their formal philosophy studies in the ACI or Asian Classics Institute courses that cover all the major books studied in a Tibetan Buddhist monastery. But that's not the only reason, is it, just to get some homework practice in? No, that's not. It's a, it's a far-reaching practice that can benefit us in many ways. Um, you know, you just mentioned one of, I think, one of the most amazing things that I've found in debate is that one hour of debate is worth, you know, probably 20 hours of uh, study. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's what they, they say. And um, 
It's true in what I've experienced anyways. And part of part of the debate process is uh, you're kind of on the line a little bit. And there's, there's certain roles we play, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, because there's like an attacker and a defender and you're both trying to discover some truth and you're both kind of quote-unquote supposed to know kind of what you're talking about. And then um, uh, so your ego is kind of on the line, and when it can really – you can be embarrassed into knowing something really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great. But the um, but a more kind of direct answer to that question is uh, – you know, we get we learn this in our classes, and it's kind of like a homework questionish kind of answer in a way. But the the particular flavor of Tibetan Buddhism that we teach at Three Jewels is from the lineage of the Dalai Lamas um, or the Galukpa school. And the head of that was Jay Tsongkhapa, who lived from 1357 to 1419. And one of his main, very famous and close students was Gelsip Jay. One of his uh, famous sayings is the greatest thing that Jason Kampa had ever taught him was logic. was really quite a statement. Right. Because Jason Kampa taught him um, a, lot, a, of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and whenever we learn something new, we always learn what's in it for us. And they always do that, too, don't they? They the always carrot. say, here's the carrot, and then here's the work. <laughs> and there are three classic benefits of learning and mastering debate. Um so, and this would be like a homework question you know, in our courses would be, uh, you know, you can say that in a negative way, um, in debate, you learn not to judge others in right. a sense of because you can logically understand that uh, just because someone doesn't appear to have a certain good quality doesn't mean they don't have it. Um, and you can say it in a positive way that debate can be a cause for keeping the teachings of Buddhism alive in the world in a very uh, clear way. Because if we don't debate it and understand it, then we're, um, we're not going to be able to pass it on very clearly. And uh, the other one, the other third classic benefit is that uh, because it's all about breaking down our misconceptions of how we see the world and the people in it, that um, it can lead us to have a mystical experience like a which in Tibetan Buddhism they call the direct perception of emptiness and uh, that's a very uh, life altering experience and it can debate can help you get there and then there's other benefits and you well you mentioned it one of the main ones is that it's so powerful to um, you know more than intellectual study right. it's got so much benefit so you can speed through your homeworks by doing a really good debate session yeah, and and know them actually. Right, but there's also the residual benefits like cultivating a sharp mind. You know, we're always mm-hmm. trying to fight against the meditation obstacle of dullness. So mm-hmm. increasing one's capacity to understand really advanced concepts, and you mentioned earlier the all important uh, element of not judging others. And you know, Lord Buddha is famous for saying, "Unless you are me or someone like me, you cannot judge another, or you will fall." Meaning, you know, unless we're enlightened ourselves, our wrong judgments can be our undoing, and how we think, speak, or act will be detrimental to our future happiness. So, really, if it's protecting us against that, Jason Kappa was right, or Gelsub J was right about Jason Kappa. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and. The beauty of it is it's a process that we do all the time. 
actually, th this thought process that we do, that we deconstruct and debate and, and learn to use it to help us. And we do it all the time. We just don't. How does that work? Well, we think like this, but we don't really pay attention to it. Like, for instance, um, consider this fellow. He is happy because he is smiling. <laughs> right? And that's, or consider this chocolate bar. It will make me happy because it tastes good. Or another one could be, um, consider me. I am miserable because I have a job I don't like. And those are three-part statements that would be a classic kind of three-part statement or syllogism in debate. So uh, each formal debate statement, then, is supposed to have three parts to it, a subject, a quality to prove, and a reason? Yeah. And uh, in order for a reason to be a good reason... It has to meet certain requirements or else it's a bad reason and uh, doesn't stand up to logic, which is very helpful if you can understand what's a good reason and what's a bad reason. Then you can be making informed decisions, right? So um, if we begin to notice how we are automatically using this kind of reasoning, we can apply the teachings on logic and see if our reasons add up. And we can check to see if what we always automatically assume to be true in an unchecked way can actually stand up to the requirements of a good old healthy three-part statement. So we have requirements, specific requirements, and you yeah. can tell us about this? Yeah. Um, we, we, we should maybe use a classic example. Like uh, This is uh, one they use in scriptures to actually teach debate. And we'll use, consider sound. It is a changing thing because it is made. So that was a syllogism, a three-part statement. And the three elements in the statement are, one, the subject, sound, and two, the quality to be proven. So we want to prove that sound is a changing thing. And three, the reason, and the reason is because it is made. And in order for the reason to be a correct reason, these three must add up in three ways, which um, somehow <laughs> we have to keep in our minds as we're debating. It's a really tricky and fun thing. So... The first relationship is three must be true of one. Three meaning? Three meaning the reason, uh -huh. right? Okay. And, and one being the subject. So is sound a made thing? Right. Right? So then the reason applies to the subject. So that relationship, okay, it holds. So then we go on to the next one. The second relationship, which is if two, then three. And what that means is... It's the positive necessity between reason and quality. So basically what that's saying is, in our statement, if it's a changing thing, then it must be a made thing. Because two is the quality to be proven, and right. three is the reason. Okay, so that's... Okay, so we can take that statement and go, okay, it holds. So far, we're <laughs> safe. And then the third relationship uh, is, if not two, then not three. There's no room for error here, right? Okay. If not two, then not three, which is the negative necessity between reason and quality. So what that is saying in this instant is if something is not a changing thing, it could not possibly be a made thing. So the double negative. The double negative, the famous double negative. And if all those three parts of the statement add up, then that is what we can call a correct reason. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot to remember it because you started this by saying we do this all the time. I don't think we yeah. deconstruct it that way all the time. No. So that's no. part of the art, right? To catch those three different components yeah. of how you can break down any 
thought process. Yeah. Cool. You were just listening to Bliss from the album Yoga Compilation by Putamaya. Before the break, John was explaining a debate syllogism, a formal debate syllogism, which is a way to formalize how we think all the time. This um, And how we do that is we phrase things without realizing it in a way that we say this subject has the um, quality or has this specific quality because of this reason. Um, and uh, one thing I'd like to say at this point is um, in, in classical debate, to we never start out a debate with a correct statement <laughs> because it would be You're too easy. It would be uh, yeah, and, and pointless in a way because we're because that's not the point. Yeah, like the art of debate. A really good debater will say something that's very close to the truth, but not quite, and then you can you you know embark on this journey, and it'll make more sense maybe in a little bit how that works. But so if I said, for instance, like last time I said, consider sound. It is a changing thing because it is made. But if I said, consider sound, it is an unchanging thing because it is made, uh, we have to look at it in a certain way. And, okay, we can say the reason is true. Number three, the reason is true. Okay, sure, sound is made. We can, we can get that. Um, but number two, the quality that I'm trying to prove doesn't really hold in that, um, and in order to for this to work, we have to buy certain ideas, and one of the idea is well, if if something is made, it, it must be changing. It must have gone through a process of change in order to be made, right? right? And if you remember, um, the first rule is, uh, I mean, the second rule was, if two, then three, right? So basically, if it's an un- if it's a changing thing, it's a made thing, but if it's an unchanging thing, it can't be a made thing. So if I said consider sound it is unchanging because it is made there's something wrong with that mm-hmm. right because um you'd say your reason doesn't follow in other words your reason doesn't prove the quality you can't it doesn't add up now if i said consider sound it is a changing thing because the sky is blue <laughs> right um that would be a bad reason and because <laughs> and in debate when you're the defender, you instantly go first to the reason. And if it's a bad reason, you just say, yeah, well, we'll go over that. But you say, no, uh, bad reason. And the the fun of Tibetan Buddhist debate is that you can actually give anything as a reason. And as and as the attacker, you have to um, – it's a difficult position in a, in a way where you have to keep coming up with new and creative ways to not quite say the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the defender has to deal with whatever you say, right? So – Consider sound is a changing thing because the sky is blue, and um, which is not a good reason. It's a bad reason. And in, in order for it to be a correct reason, it has to add up like it did before. Um, so that's a good. That's an example of a, of a bad of reason. Incorrect okay. sta- of an incorrect reason. statement. Yeah. Well, on one hand, it kind of sounds like we're just playing with words. You mm, know, like yeah. that we might get caught up in the semantics, yeah. but there is more. To the art of debate, right? What would a typical debate ground environment be like? Perhaps you can explain a little bit more about the rules of engagement right. and debate protocol for our listeners. Okay. Well, for one thing, the environment would be very loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, I mean, it doesn't get like that at Three Jewels too much because there's not enough of us. But in the, in the monastery, there's hundreds of them out there all doing it at the same Debating time, right? at the same time. And... Um, 
So there's a typical stance of the attacker and sort of a stance of the. So is everyone defender. standing around? Well, no. What there's a few ways to go. So if you're if you're debating one on one, you have one person that's sitting and one person standing. And you can also do this in a, a group debate where you've got one person sitting and then a whole crowd around around that person in a line and then a group of people debating him. And uh, the the attacker is supposed to do a certain dance. So the attacker is standing? The attacker is standing and ideally what the attacker each each attacker has their own little dance they do. And you're supposed to lift up your left leg like you're doing this dance and you have a mala like a Tibetan mala you've seen, right? And you uh you would draw one of the things up your arm and you hold your hand like in the shape of a cup. So you hold your left hand in the shape of your cup and your left you've got your mala circled around that arm. You pull it up yeah, and with your right hand. Yeah, that's right. So it's almost like you're pulling back an arrow or something. And you're you, on your right leg. You're balancing your right leg and your this left leg is lifted. a little bit like Karate Kid. Yeah. It's, well, it is. <laughs> it is a lot like Karate Kid. And, uh, but hopefully you're quick enough to not be standing there for very long, right? <laughs> or falling over. Or falling over, right? Exactly. And uh, but this is for effect. This is for dramatic effect. It's for dramatic effect because you're supposed to be trying to throw off your opponent in a sense of, let's see if you do know what you're talking about. Because we um, we study lots of interesting things at Three Jewels, and there's some very basic principles that you you may we may think we know, and then all of a sudden you get in the debate, <laughs> and someone's attacking you, like you know, tell me the da da da, and your mind goes completely blank, and then you go, oh my, maybe I didn't really you know understand that. what you don't know, <laughs> right? So are you also pulling up the wisdom or trying yeah, to? Yeah, and yeah, and so there's a there's a scenario or a, a metaphor or a, a vision you could say, and what is supposed to be as you're drawing as you pull the mala up, you're supposed to be opening up the doors to like lower realms or suffering realms. And drawing up these beings from suffering realms towards wisdom, towards a perfect understanding of reality, say. And then so you've opened up this door. <laughs> and then in your hands is it, supposed to be the ocean of, say, suffering, right? The ocean of misunderstanding. And then as you make your statement, you're supposed to firmly stomp your foot down and then slap your hand. This is your left foot that you had yeah, raised. You right, stomp it down. Right, and you, you stomp it down, and then you slap your hand, and then turn over your hand. Now, so the symbolism of that is, oh, I should mention too, your right hand is up in the air, which is... <laughs> with the mala. With, no. That you've pulled up. Yeah, okay. So you pulled up the mala, and then as you're making your statement, you let go of the mala, right. so it just hangs there. Your right hand comes up, and it's supposed to symbolize uh, wisdom, the sword of wisdom. Okay. And as you say the statement, you know, consider sound <laughs> is a changing thing because it is made. And right at that time, you draw the sword down and you slap your hand, which is supposed to mean cutting the root of ignorance or cutting uh -huh. the root of misunderstanding. And then as you turn your hand, you're supposed to be um, letting all the... You say misunderstanding, or fall down or back away. And and the foot coming down, stomping, is supposed to be you're closing back the doors of the, the lower realm and you're just like sealing it again. So you're pulling up beings to wisdom. And they can't, and then, fall, and back they can't fall back down because you're stomping. Cool. It, it's it's really fun and everyone does it in a different way. And um, and you can taunt your opponent by, you know, circling around them or, <laughs> or you know, waving them all around their head as they're trying to come up with a very simple answer sometimes and then they, they can go blank, right? Um, so it sounds like it's meant to be fun. It is 
meant to be fun. And I can tell you that um, the people that come to debate at Three Jewels, often they come and they're very uh, timid and they say things like, I'm just going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, which you can't just come and watch. You have to get involved. And then everyone that comes... They're always really stoked at the end, and we always go over time. And I'm just like, well, we got another, you know, we can go over. And yeah, let's go over, let's go over, or let's let's do a group debate or something. And we also, um, um, it's fun because you can bring ideas that you've been thinking about that you don't with. quite understand yet about mm-hmm. your ACI homework or your your uh, homework, and it's really great because um, we can get to the truth of it. So should there be a particular motivation one has coming into debate? Yeah, and, you know, one of the teachings on this practice was very profound to me when I first heard it, was that before before they ever um, debate in the monastery, they spend a good chunk of time praying for the right motivation. Right. They pray for it because um, it's such a powerful tool and you know may we please you know may we please um increase our wisdom the wisdom of each other and not do this for a selfish reason right which would be maybe to win or to feel better or feel smart mm-hmm. and you know like some of the rules are you're not supposed to bring your notes to debate in other words you show up you show up no bravely <laughs> right yeah you show up bravely uh, willing to what did my my teacher say to me? Uh, yeah, willing to get bludgeoned, <laughs> <laughs> intellectual, intellectual, blu- intellectual bludgeoning, so that your um, your understanding soars from that. Yeah. So you're not, that's another rule. Then you're not allowed to bring in notes or your um, smartphone. No. <laughs> yeah. Look up the answers while you're debating. Yeah, you're not supposed to show up with something that you know so well that you want to show off with either. Right. It's supposed to be very much like. Well, you know, an example of that is when you're going to um, say before you go to the defender. Say, mm-hmm. let's say we had a subject that we want to talk about. And we want to talk about. Um, the qualities of an enlightened being or something like that. And then you would walk up, and I'll, I'll use a Tibetan word, go, D, Chitter, Tu, Chen, which is, let's consider this subject. And the D is um, is a syllable that um, means wisdom. Wisdom, yeah. And so you're, you're going down on be- bended knee, and mm-hmm. you're actually begging your opponent to help you with, you know, please will you enlighten me with your wisdom. And then let's talk about the qualities of an enlightened being. And so it sets a really nice stage as you go in. And then mm. the fun starts. <laughs> yeah. So can anyone debate? Anyone um, can debate, but there are ground rules as far as um, how you approach it in a sense that you can't debate someone um, with an idea or a concept that they don't accept. Mm. Right? Which is so smart. I mean that's like you don't talk politics and religion at a dinner table. It's like <laughs> right, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna try to prove something to somebody that if they don't like for instance, sound is a changing thing because it's made. If uh or uh, or let's just say if a person doesn't believe or buy the concept that if something is a made thing it, it, then it must be a changing thing. You can't. That's that. Then becomes an improper argument. It, it may be. It may if be they true. Truly, don't believe that. Yeah. If they if they truly don't believe that, then you'd have to take 
some steps back and then try to set yourself up to be able to talk to but like okay well let's talk about how it must be a changing thing something like that so so you need to yeah. establish common ground yeah yeah that's it you have to establish common ground and it's not about convincing someone of something that they don't already accept at some level no no and really what it's for and hopefully this is how it goes and it often does is that each person by a bunch of concepts that they have understand or agree with get to a higher idea where they haven't quite put it all together yet and just by a, a few common concepts they throw it together well this must mean this this must mean that and then they go oh and they reach an understanding yeah so it's like putting all the parts together mm-hmm. so some really interesting topics that we've tried to work out on the debate ground at three jewels are concepts like proving to ourselves uh, about past and future lives um, discussing the truth of how i think back to that thing about not judging right it's mm-hmm. really important that just because someone may not display a positive outward quality or a positive quality outwards uh, demonstratively doesn't mean that they don't have it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that it's interesting that one, mm-hmm. because, because in class and when we learn these things, this gets said over and over and over again. And uh, our teachers have said, like, if you take a debate course and you learn how to debate and you learn about logic, if and only if you just take one thing away from this course, and that is you realize that what you just said that you can't judge, you can't judge another by you know what you think, right? Because then, um, because what that's doing is is instantly negating the truth that uh, or that there's no uh, dependence upon us ourselves, right. right? And so we have to learn how to break that down. And if, you know, just imagine, imagine if we could actually learn, everyone could actually learn that whatever they see in the world, whatever quality anyone is appearing to have, they're imputing by in their own mind, like they're giving it meaning. It's so, coming from us right. and not at so us, So right. imagine knowing that. That would be amazing. So, and this is what, that's why they say, if you could just learn one thing. <laughs> so we've covered the origins of Tibetan Buddhist debate, and we've gone over some of the ground rules. So let's give the listeners a debate example on how this might be useful in everyday life. Okay. Um, so do you want to be the defender? Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll be the, I'll be the attacker. I'm so, sitting down. Right? So. Well, well, I'm sitting down too. But <laughs> just pretend I'm standing up because I, I can't stand up with the microphone. So, um, and just one thing before we start, um, I think that it would be good to say at this point that this is a, you know, massive subject, you know, and we, you know, we've done our best to try and give a taste, you know, or some small period of time, and. Um, it's it's not a conversation. We're not we're not hanging out and having a conversation. We're we're following these certain rules, and the um, basically the attacker can never really ask a question. The, the attacker can only make statements, and then the defender has certain responses. And there's um, five typical responses that the the defender can do, and which keeps it within a certain parameter. And the defender can say, "I agree." Um, the defender can say, um, no, that's a bad reason, no. 
the defender can say, well, your reason doesn't follow, right? Uh, the defender can say, uh, can you repeat that? Right? <laughs> oh, like, I didn't hear you, which, which is often just a, a tactic to buy a time. A delay tactic. Right? <laughs> right. And why? You can okay. say why. So I agree. Can we say yes instead of I agree? Yeah, you can say yes. Yes, no. Yeah. Your reason doesn't follow. Yeah. What did you say? Yeah, what do you say? say would you repeat <laughs> so that? Would you repeat you that? And why? And why? You can ask why. You okay. can ask why. Okay. Yeah, you can ask why. All right. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll start. We'll do, we'll do a, a three-part statement. Um, consider me. I am a... I, no, consider me. I am miserable because I have a crappy job. Yes. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay, so... So you're saying then that having a crappy job equals unhappiness. Yes. So by what you're saying then, happiness depends on having a good job. Hmm. No. But you just said it. You said that I was miserable because of of having a bad job. You agreed with me. And so then the reverse has to be true. If you know, if you had a good job, you'd be happy. So then, you know, someone with no job is neither happy nor miserable. <laughs> no. No. So you're taking, oh, you're, so you're, you're backing up a little bit. Um, okay. So then I guess that must mean that a person's happiness can't depend on the job. If, if everything we said so far you agree with, then you have to agree with me that um, a person's happiness can't depend on the job. Can I say not necessarily? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you can say not necessarily if you want to. And this is also one of the one. Of the, yeah, I've, I should say this at this point. Is interject one of the um, beautiful things about debate too is the defender can actually answer any way they want to, even if even if you know the attacker says something that is supposed to be true. The defender can say no, and the defender. I mean, the attacker has to deal with it. They they can't say hey, that's not you know. They have to. Come around and, and deal with it anyway. So, so you're saying not necessarily. Okay. Let's consider this job that is making me miserable. If the job was capable of making me miserable, I could never have a good day at work. I could never, ever have a good day at work. And I will never have a good day at work. Why? I get to ask You're why. using the why thing. <laughs> okay. Okay, so then, I, Okay. How am I going to... Let's consider causes and results. In order for something to be an ultimate... So here, just for the radio listeners, if there are any, hello out there. Um, um, in, we're kind of on ground where we both know that we both agree on certain terms. So we're, we have... Like, for instance, I'm going to say, let's consider causes and results. And um, in order for something to be an ultimate cause for a certain result, it has to work 100% of the time. Like, for example, if you're miserable and you're at work, the misery has to be caused by something other than work. Or work would always have to be the cause for misery. And in order for that to work, you'd have to buy that. Right. Right? So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you buy sure, it? Sure, yes. Okay. Okay, so then we've already established we're debating on common ground. Okay, so let's consider the four laws of karma. According to Shakyamuni, Shakyamuni Buddha, if you do a non-virtue, you get a positive result. No. You disagree. <laughs> okay, so then, according to you, Shakyamuni Buddha said something different than that. Yes, he did. 
Well, I guess there's no possible way that you could tell me what the four laws of karma are. There's no possible way? No, you couldn't tell me. No. Oh, you can tell me. Yes. So here now, I'm interjecting once again, is what I, I mentioned that the defender can only say, as Sherry's been doing wonderfully, sticking to the rules. Um, now I've set Sherry up to give me the answer. And I say, show, right, show, and which means show me, show me, show me, show me. Then, which at that point, I get to she, talk. you get to just go, right, and talk. So, show, yeah, you can't, okay, show, tell I me. I can tell you the four laws of karma. One, karma is definite, meaning that good only can lead to good or bad only to bad, neutral to neutral. Two, karma grows. And three, if you don't plant the seed, if you don't do the karma, you cannot reap the results. And four, if you do plant the karma, you must experience the result. Oh, okay. So by what you're saying is that if a person is miserable, they must have done some non-virtue in the past to other beings that caused their current miserable state of mind. Yep. I'm, I'm doing, saying I'm that. doing a gentle little stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if there wasn't a cause there to have a miserable state of mind, a job couldn't be the ultimate cause of how a miserable state of mind came about. Right? If there wasn't a cause there... Then yes. there's nothing, right? Yes. Okay. Right. So you agree? Yes. So are you trying to tell me that changing jobs is not necessarily going to work to bring me happiness? Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Yes, I am. That's crazy. So I guess you couldn't tell me then what a cause for me being happy at work would be then. I guess you couldn't tell me. You couldn't me. tell me? No. I oh, you could tell, tell me. You. Yes, I can you tell you. You could tell me. Well, sure. The cause for being happy at work is being kind to other people. Well, so that that was fun. <laughs> right? So that that's like a quick example. And it's not so scary. Right. Right? It's a it's a quick example. Um and we'll be doing debate practice uh what's what we're starting to do uh in the new year is with the next um of right. study in each of those nights, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. There might even be snacks. There are going to be snacks. We always serve popcorn and hot chocolate, at least. So, And sometimes Auntie's Magic Cookies. <laughs> right. Let's just do a quick review so that... Because um, we did that kind of fast. And really, you were saying that debate isn't anything new or different from the way we normally think. That mm-hmm. if you actually were to deconstruct a statement, there's always the subject, there's Mm -hmm. always a quality to whatever it is you're experiencing, and there's always a reason, and often our Mm -hmm. reason is not logical, but but Mm -hmm. it's a reason because we said so. So maybe you can just remind us again what the three relationships are that have to hold for it to be an actual debate. Sure. Okay. So... um well, you know what? Let's let's have fun. Let's let's do um, consider consider my job. Um, it is the cause for my unhappiness um, because I don't like the job. <laughs> let's be brave. Consider my jo- consider my job. It is the cause for my unhappiness uh, because I don't like the job. So. So in the three the three elements in the statement are we have one which is the subject which is my job 
Consider the, consider the subject, job, okay? The quality to be proven, number two, is, oh, it's making me miserable. Right. And the reason is because I don't like it, mm-hmm. okay? So in order for that to be a correct reason, so if, if, we could, if, if we could land that this is a correct reason, then it would have to be true that All my job time. is causing misery, right? right? So, so let's say, okay, the first relationship, Three must be true of one. Okay. It, do I do I like my job? Um, no, I don't like my job. I'm, I'm just doing this for the benefit of because uh, in case my my boss is listening. <laughs> I do like my you job. You do like your. I know you like your job. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. I mean, no job tomorrow. Um, so, you know, okay. For okay, I don't like my job. For sake of argument. For sake of argument, three is true of one. I don't like my job. Okay. Second relationship, if two, then three, right? So that means the positive necessity between the reason and the quality. So the reason being I don't like my job and the quality is um, just because I don't like my job, that's why I'm a miserable person, right? And uh, so for that to be true then that would have to mean that every person on the planet who didn't like their job, didn't like the job they were doing, would have to be a miserable person, right? Which, I mean, if you, can, if you just go at that for a second logically, you can see that there, no, there's lots of people who are doing jobs they would, they'd rather be doing a different job. Right, but but they're not th- miserable. They're not miserable. They might not be blissed out, but they're not miserable. Right, or okay. or they have good days and bad days at work. Right, right, right. And then the third relationship, if not two, then not three, which would mean, um, if not two, would mean okay. Well, if I wasn't miserable, then it would be impossible for me to have a you know a, a job I didn't like. Right, and so then we can say that doesn't add up. So. The reason why it's helpful is because it doesn't add up. If we, well, wait a minute. It doesn't add up, so I'm thinking wrong then, right? Something else must be going Something on. Something else is going on. Okay, right. well, I've been blaming my job for years, and then wait a minute, I just heard about this three-part statement thing. It's not adding up. There's got to be something else going on. And then we can inquire then right. into maybe finding out something true, which is awesome. That's great. So each time we do debate practice, you review these principles, right? So oh, that yeah. people can get... Thanks, everyone, for listening to Sherry Casuera and John Buchanan on Drishti Point. Namaste. It's Farah again. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to visit our website, drishtipoint.ca, for the best of the best Drishti Point podcasts. If you like this podcast and want to support our work, please consider becoming a Drishti Point member or making a donation of any amount to support the work we do to spread the light and love of yoga. We wish you health, happiness, prosperity, longevity, and vitality. Namaste.